With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Hey, welcome into the Monday podcast. Your boy, Doug Gottlieb here. A lot to get to. Uh, I will tackle last night's Last Dance episodes, what, uh, five and six. Uh, Want to talk a little bit about Dak having a capable backup. Talk a little about a couple other things going on in the world of sports. But let me kind of give you my thoughts on Jordan, the gambling, the politics, all that was vetted in episodes five and six. Boom, what up, America? Doug Gottlieb show. Fox Sports Radio. Bob Costas, the legendary sportscaster, and of course, the voice of the NBA back when it was on NBC, will join us upcoming in 20 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on The Last Dance, the six episodes in the can so far, and the four still yet to come. Bob Costas is 20 minutes away. Albert Breer will join us in the second hour of the show. Uh, I will ask him why somehow it has become some sort of massive statement to sign a veteran quarterback as a as a uh, lightly paid backup. Um, that's what's happened over the weekend with Andy Dalton signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Got some discussion uh, on the NBA and if and when it will be back, as well as the last dance with Rick Buecher joins us for his Monday pop in the third and final hour of the show. Plus, all the news whenever it breaks, 
Dan Bio break in with it. We got game time upcoming. We got the press upcoming. We might even work in a phone call or two. And I have some thoughts on uh, the, the, the truth about Isaiah Thomas as he continues to be part of this look back at the Chicago Bulls and the legacy of Michael Jordan. But I, I think there's, there, there's a, a confluence of things to discuss. Gambling, politics, um, the fact that, you know, Jordan's um, popularity popularity peaked during his first three-peat because of the Dream Team and at least how it's being sold to us. That's the reason that he walked away the first time. So there's, there's a lot to dig in. There's a lot to buy into. Uh, but I would say this. There's not going to be another Michael Jordan. And I think it, when LeBron looks back on why he will never be regarded as Michael Jordan, last night was actually a really, really telling episode or two as to why. Jordan's ability to stay out of the political fray, okay, that the social jujitsu, as it's been said to me, right, where you feel like you're in the realm there, and he's like, "Look, I just, I'm not into, I wasn't into politics." And Jordan can hit us with the, "I was just into being a basketball player," but he also played golf all the time. He liked to gamble all the time. He did have other business interests. He did have a family. Like this idea that this all he, he was not. All he did was basketball. He had Kobe Bryant. All he did was basketball. Right? When he played in the NBA, there were a lot of people, myself included, before he got hurt and tore the Achilles tender, like, man, I don't know what Kobe's going to do once he gets done playing. And then when he got hurt, suddenly he discovered there's a whole new world out there. That Kobe didn't play golf. He didn't. Kobe didn't play tennis until after he retired. Jordan did. Jordan was a competitive junkie looking for the next fix. Ping pong, golf, game, cards, whatever. So this idea that the reason that Jordan didn't get into politics was he didn't have the bandwidth for it. No, he might not have had the appetite for it. But part of it was also the time. Okay, In the 80s and 90s, even when he was trying to be pulled in the political fray, it wasn't one as divisive. And two, we didn't. We didn't act the same about athletes. Like somehow they had to be, they, they had to be uh, social justice warriors. Right now, remember now, if you don't, if you don't get into the political fray, somehow you're not down with the cause. I, I understand that when you're black and it's the South and it's, you know, it's your home area, an area he now owns an NBA team. I fully understand that there's a different level of commitment that's desired from from successful African-American men. I got it. I, I, I can, in fact, relate, you know, being a Jewish man, like if there was, if there was a senator or a member of the House of Representatives who was blatantly anti-Semitic, I would probably enter in the political fray simply to get him out of office. Like, I, I get it. But the fact was that Jordan was able to stay above it, and I don't know if he would have then. I don't think he would have been able to be as involved in gambling as he is at now as he was then. And if you're, if you're, if you're LeBron James, you look back, you're like, what do I have to do? Well, obviously he lost some NBA finals. 
But there's more to, more than that, right? Leaving Cleveland. Jordan never left Chicago. And while he was under a long-term contract, the fact is that if a guy says, I don't want to play here anymore, they can, in fact, you can't force a trade whenever you want. Jordan didn't leave. LeBron did. Came back, still wasn't right, left again. I don't think LeBron will ever get a pass on that. Even if his intentions were pure and he's been successful both leaving and returning. LeBron didn't enter the dunk contest. And the dunk contest has changed and evolved now as opposed to back then they were like mythical characters. And the reason that last night's was so poignant as to why they'll never be another I would say there's threefold in the things that I saw. One, Jordan got in on Nike before Nike was Nike. And he basically built the brand by himself, as opposed to LeBron, who's continued to help Nike and build on the Nike brand, but won his shoes or boats because he's more of a big guy. Two, it's already been done. There's already the Jordan brand. There's already Kobe shoes. And now he's kind of third. He still he even wears LeBron's number. Right, or it's Warren LeBron's number, like 23. I mean, Warren Jordan's number, that's 23. Um, I, I, obviously, you can't go back and win NBA finals. You can't go back and get into dunk contests, and you can't get into them now. And even if you won a dunk contest, it wouldn't be the same as when Jordan did. The, the branding isn't the same. The commercials aren't the same. The, the, the league isn't the same. No matter how popular it is now, wasn't, it's not as popular as it was back then when in the early 90s, go back and look, the NFL struggled with popularity and the NBA was king. That's not happening now. And then, you know, last night's politics. Once you enter into politics, you can't go back. I mean, think about the, the Hong Kong stuff, you know, and how LeBron chose to stay out of that discussion. He got worked by people like, wait, you have all these political aspirations. You say all these things like a politician. You want to support certain politicians. But now when it calls into question people you do business with, now all of a sudden you want to stay out of the fray. That's not the way it works. Right? That's not the way it works. I mean, even, and I laughed at it at the time, the idea that he's any sort of Muhammad Ali character. Remember, Muhammad Ali gave up the three prime years of his career because he, he, he would not fight in a war that he felt like was not just. Like, that's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. So I, I look at last night, and then, you know, when they play in the dream team, first, because it was the dream team, second, the, the, the thorough dominance, and third, like, LeBron's whole way of trying to make everybody better and everybody happy, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't Jordan's way. And that's not LeBron's fault, that's just the makeup of who they are. But there have been several times on several different Olympic teams when Kevin Durant's been the best player, not LeBron James. You know, Carmelo Anthony has had a stretch where he was the best scorer. When it was the dream team and you had the greats of all greats in the NBA all playing, there was one unquestioned best player. That was Michael Jordan. And he chose to play and defend at a level that challenged everyone else Every time he took the floor. Yes, the documentary has some goal, uh, glaring holes. But we're not going to point them out because it's the only thing on that's created or helped foster the continued growth of this mythical character that is Michael Jordan. And the specific time where we didn't go and look at somebody's personal life. We didn't care about 
the gambling or the drinking or anything else, for the most part, Atlantic City as more the exception than the rule. The fact is that there will never be another Michael Jordan. There just isn't. It doesn't mean that there'll be another LeBron James, but James chased, he's chasing more than ghosts. He's chasing an era which is gone. He's chasing a style of journalism which is gone. Hell, you had Ahmad Rashad who rides with him to the games. He had his own personal interviewer broadcaster. He, he basically started the rise of Nike. He won six championships and never lost in the finals. And he got a pass on a lot of things, some because he'd earned it, some because of the time. We seem to forgive and look past personal transgressions like addiction and gambling. On the other hand, we can't seem to look past anybody who has political aspirations or political feelings. That's just the way in which we're wired. Like, look, here's the, here's the easiest parallel or or guy, case study I can tell you as to how politics scare the bejesus out of most of America. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a great player. He's arguably the greatest college player of all time. He won six MVPs. He won six NBA titles. And, and he's a, he scored more points than anybody in the history of the league. Kareem has never been a commentator. He's never been a guy you want to have as part of your shows. He's never been really the iconic figure and picture of what uh, an NBA player is supposed to be, although he should be. He's an activist, author. He's highly educated. He's brilliant. But he puts people on the defensive because he's an activist. And when you challenge people politically, it becomes increasingly divisive. And when you're divisive, you're not embraced. And that's the difference to Jordan. That's the brilliance to the Republicans buy sneakers to comment. Because he's right. And he was right to stay out of the fray. And he was right to not endorse somebody that he didn't really know all that well. Doesn't mean that somebody else who is politically active is wrong. Make sure you mark that down. Like, I'm not saying if you want to use your platform to go into politics, you can. On the same note, if you don't, you don't have to. And it is easier. It is easier to embrace. You are more human. You are less divisive when you don't. I didn't make the rules. I'm just telling you what they exactly are. You have to acknowledge Jordan's universal popularity, at least in some part, is because he never picked a side politically. With the exception of Nike versus Reeboks. And that's because... He was a Nike guy. One thing we're missing regarding the last dance. I'll share with you next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Bob Costas in five minutes. I, I just, look, I'm not trying to be, I'm, I'm not trying to be anything more than what everybody else I think is thinking. And I love MJ. Hey, right? If, if you had Team MJ or Team LeBron, which I think is dumb that we have to somehow pick a side, like you can't appreciate LeBron or you can't appreciate Kobe, you can't appreciate Bird or Magic and, and still love Jordan. But I would say Jordan. Jordan's the best basketball player I've ever seen. But, but I'm, I'm willing to, you know, you get these people like, well, Jordan would average 50 today. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible to know what some guy would look like in a different era. We could have our questions. I, I proposed, I don't know how dominant Carl Malone would be now as opposed to then when he was the best power forward in the league playing with John Stockton. But now, you know, there is there are no real power forwards. So he'd be a center and, you know, he used to, he was money on a 17-foot jump shot. Could he extend it to a pro three? Sure. Would he be as effective? I don't know. But then defensively, how would you how would you play him? So look, I, I think Jordan, I, I know Jordan would translate. I think he'd be awesome. I believe he's the best basketball player I've ever seen. 
But I'm also not buying some of this, well, the league was so much more physical. It was Jordan got calls. Or when Jordan last night said, uh, you know, I, I play blackjack or, you know, play cards and or golf and money and like that ain't illegal. Actually, it is uh, like, look, does it mean that we haul you off to jail for playing cards for high stakes in the back of an airplane when you're with a team? No. But in reality, playing golf for big stakes with a guy whose nickname is Slim, who just happens to be laundering money. Well, that is not only illegal and frowned upon, but that's the type of stories of, hey, how'd a guy get so far behind that he had to do something unsavory on a basketball floor? I just don't buy when Jordan says, I don't have a gambling problem, I have a competition problem, a competitive problem. He, he might have enough money to afford his gambling losses, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a gambling problem. Just because just you can afford it doesn't mean it's not a problem. Like, He's rich enough to get away with it. Get away with it. But like you can tell me a guy's well, the guy's worth a billion dollars if he loses a million dollars in gambling. Like, dude, do you lose a million dollars in gambling and you you go back and gamble more? You have a problem. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. He is the iconic voice of sports in America. He's the one and only Bob Costas. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Bob, thanks so much for, for, for taking time uh, with us. Um, so far, six episodes into this documentary. What's your kind of overall takeaway? Well, first of all, I think it's fantastic. It's extremely well done. Jason Hare, who headed up the production, and his entire team, they gave them all the time they needed. They gave them remarkable resources to work with. And I think that they've maximized it. This is just great storytelling. I think it would have been extremely well-received under any circumstances. But now, with no live sports, and granted this isn't live, but it is original, it's material people haven't seen, there's a real buzz about this, not just among avid basketball fans, but because Jordan and the Bulls transcended all that, they were a cultural, a pop culture touchstone in the 90s. A lot of people who don't really follow the NBA that closely are still watching this very avidly. Oh, yeah. And there's so many people who have worn the Jordan brand for years, but they don't really, <laughs> they weren't even alive or weren't old enough to, to take in the Jordan era are learning really what this was about. And to those of us who, I was a kid during it, it brings up old memories. And for you who are you're working at NBC, obviously uh, this has to be kind of vivid in your, in your vast memory bank. Um, we've gotten towards the end of the first three, Pete. We're leading up to retirement. What was your sense? Because the, the picture they're painting is Jordan was just tired of it all. And that's why he walked away when you go back to the Phoenix Suns series, what was your sense of Jordan and what his future was going to hold? Well, I think we were all surprised when a guy who was only 29 or about to turn 30, I forget the exact dates, but let's call it 30 to have a round figure. And the by acclamation, greatest player in the game, that he would walk away. I didn't think he would walk away. Nobody did. But did I know and did many of us who had followed the team and been part of covering them over the course of those seasons in the early 90s, did we all realize that this was beginning to wear on him? I think he handled all of the demands beyond the demands of being the best player in the game, all the peripheral stuff, 
the press, uh, the celebrity status, uh, having to, as he notes um, in the most recent episode, uh, it looks like a very nicely appointed hotel room, but he can't go out like the average person could. I thought he handled all of that about as well as anybody possibly could, but it was clear that it was wearing on him. But if I had to guess, if you'd asked me at the conclusion of the finals against the Suns, what's going to happen? He's going to go away someplace, as isolated as possible. He's going to play golf. Maybe he'll bet on one thing or another because he likes to do that. And then he'll come back fresh for training camp. But I was wrong. We all were wrong. They did talk about the gambling. There's always going to be that kind of urban legend that he, you know, when his father was murdered, that, that it was because of a gambling debt, and that's why he had to leave basketball. Do you think they dive into that here in the last four episodes? I think they do, uh, just based on the questions they asked me. Um, and that's all I know. I'm watching all this as it unfolds, just as you are. I have no idea what's in the next four episodes. You can guess about the subject matter, but the particulars, uh, I don't know. But based on what they asked me, and they did ask me about uh, that very same question you just brought up, I would think that it's uh, it's going to be a, a particular focus because they touched upon it, not just touched upon it, they got into it in some depth uh, in one of the episodes last night, so I'm sure they'll return to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will as well. Did you know of the dysfunction within or the or the lack of a positive relationship between the front office and Jordan? Like there was, there was some talk of it, but again, you're covering at the time, and sports were covered differently then too as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... Uh, we, we were before the, we didn't have some of the style of commentary we have now. Did you know about the, 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 the disconnect between not just Phil, but the players in the front office? I did during the second three-peat. In 91, two and three, the first three-peat, I didn't have much sense of that. You know, you try to keep up with things by reading uh, the relevant columnists and the relevant stories coming out of the Chicago media. Uh, but I'm living in St. Louis or hosting shows from the studio during most of the season in New York. So I wasn't around it on a day-to-day basis like the Chicago media people were. So I I had an inkling about it, but it didn't seem to me at that early stage, 91-2-3, didn't seem to me like it was a major story. It did seem like something that was looming in 96 and 7, and in 98, it was right there. It was the elephant in the room the entire season. Bob Costas joining us in the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, w- what about the the element of Jordan's competitiveness, right? Like um, it was your voice uh, last night who pointed out, you know, that there was a lot of a lot of people at, at the time. And and I, I, I saw some of it kind of downplayed on social media in terms of Clyde Drexler's rise. But I'm sitting here looking mm-hmm. at the Sports Illustrated that has Clyde on the cover where th- there was a question, who's better, Clyde or Michael Jordan? Um, Magic said, look, I went into his house the night before, and he said, I got some for this guy. What, what was that like to be a part of, to watch Jordan line up whoever the enemy was or the created enemy was and take him out time and again? Doug, this is not an original observation on my part. It's been said thousands of times because apparently it's true. He would take an actual flight, and he would magnify it many times over. But he also could create an imaginary slight and use that as motivation. Clyde Drexler is one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. He's gracious, and he's classy. He doesn't blow his own horn. He was a wonderful player. And 
coincidentally, Jordan's teammate only, what, a month, month and a half later on the Dream Team after they met in the finals in 1992. There were a lot of people saying during that 92 final between the Trailblazers and uh, the Bulls that Drexler was the second best player in the game. I don't remember, maybe you do, but I don't remember anyone really contending that he had overtaken or pulled even with Michael, but that he was number two. But that was enough. That was enough. Michael, in his head, didn't just want to win. He wanted to win like Secretariat in the Belmont, so that whoever was second was closer to last than they were to him. So even the notion that somebody might be moving up a little bit closer to him was enough to fuel him. And Drexler had an uneven final. He did have a couple of good games, as I remember. And I recall that one of the games in Portland, our opening, before we came on the air live, our um, produced opening was all about Clyde Drexler and all about how the expectations, he has to be aware of them, even though he, he wears it lightly and we had shots of him smiling and joking with his teammates, but that there's a different kind of focus on him now than there was even at Houston, where he was a collegiate star, or earlier in his career with the Trailblazers. This is different, and his team is looking to him to rise to the occasion. Bob Costas joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What was it like when he walked away? First time? First time. Well, I'll tell you how big it was. It was a weekday afternoon, um, early afternoon, New York time. And when we broke into it, we being NBC News, broke into regular programming early in the afternoon. It wasn't me. I was part of it. But it was Tom Brokaw. Doesn't that tell you how big it was? Yeah. Tom Brokaw came on the air. This was a news item. It wasn't just for basketball fans. This wasn't Sports Center. It was NBC News with Tom Brokaw. And then he turned to me and I said whatever I said. But the, the fact that Brokaw came in and broke into it like it was something of national import tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Okay. So what was it like when he came back? Because in the during the time in which he was gone, there was the OJ chase, right, during the NBA finals between the Rockets and the Knicks. And then, of course, there was the Rockets with the Orlando Magic when he came back. But mm-hmm. before he came back, um, did, did you, like, do you, you covered baseball. Obviously, he was failing in baseball. Did you, did you know? What, what was that all like? There was a lot of speculation that once he's gotten this out of his system, his father's death, the unreal demands upon his time and the circus that had surrounded his life, once he gets this out of his system, he's going to come back to the NBA, isn't he? We didn't know for sure. And then you remember there wasn't much ballyhoo. Two words, faxed, a fax in 1995. I'm back. And there he was. And for whatever reason, I can't recall why, I had that weekend off from the NBA on NBC. I have no idea why. But Dick Ebersole called me. I was at home in St. Louis. Get to Indianapolis. We need you to host this game Uh, because it's going to be, you know, super important. And so I I did, and I don't know what they'll play from what we did, but we had an unusual opening that was devoted entirely to Michael Jordan And then Marv Albert and I were discussing whether there's anything that would rival this. Uh, Other players had come back, players had come back from military service uh, in individual sports. Ali was exiled uh, for a long time, and then he came back and reclaimed the 
heavyweight championship. It was it was a discussion, <clears throat> pardon me, about the whole history of sports. So even then, Michael Jordan, had he never played another game, was in the conversation as among the most significant athletes in American sports history because that's what we were comparing him to. You, as you, you brought up Muhammad Ali, and there was an interesting part uh, last night. Bob Costas, our guest on Fox Sports Radio. There was an interesting part last night where they talked about the fact that he had that the phrase that's ever been repeated, Republicans buy sneakers too. And he... He, he 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 didn't downplay it. He just said, "Look, I'm uh, you know like I'm not really a political guy. I'm not not into social social justice as 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 much as the other guy." Um, I I kind of think that's a fair way of looking at it because it's because becomes so divisive. The second you take even the most reasonable stance in politics, you become divisive. On the other hand, there mm-hmm. is something about being the most successful black man from North Carolina, and this was. A uh, North Carolina um, uh, gubernatorial—I mean, a senatorial race or whatever it was. So, uh, how did you think that came off in watching it in, through a lens of 2020? Even then, I'll tell you. Well, let's go to two, 2020. As per your question, Michael handles it very well in the Last Dance. He's not defensive. He owns it. I wasn't an activist. I was a basketball player. But he also makes a very significant point. And all of us can testify to this. It happens more often than someone who's not involved in the media might think. You don't get the context. Did he say Republicans buy sneakers too? Yes, he acknowledges he said it. But I believe him when he says he said it in a jocular setting, like somebody might have said a teammate, hey, why didn't you endorse Harvey Gann? Hey, <laughs> Republicans buy sneakers too. It's an offhanded thing. Everybody laughs at the joke. I I believe that that could be a very honest um, depiction of what went on. But even then, here's what I thought. And I know some people out there will say, stick to sports, keep the politics out of it. But some things come down not to political differences. They are moral questions. It wasn't just that Harvey Gantt was a black man running for Senate. Jesse Helms was a virulent racist. Yes. It isn't a matter of Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. He was an effing racist. This was a moral question. And I think it could have been isolated from the normal political rabble out there. And Michael could have stepped up in that instance. Am I holding it against him that he didn't? No. He's had such a, such a significant and overarching life. That's just one of many chapters. But you could make a very good case that this was... This was an area where even someone who was apolitical should have made an exception. It's a, it's a great point. Bob Costas, our guest here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, the end. And and look, I know he came back to play for the Wizards, um, and he probably shouldn't have. On the other hand, there were some moments where you're like, geez, the guy can, can, can still play. Um, did you know it was the end before it was the end? You know, it's... It's almost like an afterthought that he came back and played with the Wizards. It is. Uh, He had such a competitive Jones going all the time. I understand why he had to do it, or he felt he had to do it. Approaching 40, he may have been 40 when he played his last game in the NBA. He was still, while he wasn't the Michael Jordan we knew, he was still a darn good player. So it wasn't like he couldn't do it. Uh, No athlete in American team sports has ever had a better final act than what Michael Jordan had in 1998 
And I really believe that in the minds of most people, in the public imagination, that really is the end. And what happened with the Wizards is just a postscript. The story really begins and ends. Well, it begins in North Carolina, and it ends in Salt Lake City in June of 98. And 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 it, obviously, as perfect an ending as there could be, it wasn't just the shot, right? Like, people forget he scored uh, on a drive. He made two free throws. Then he had the steal over Karl Malone, who, of course, won an MVP that people thought Jordan should have won, right? They had Jordan MVP fatigue. And so uh, Malone won one. And then, then he hits the game-winning shot, and you have the iconic follow-through. I know John Elway finished winning a Super Bowl and he you know he goes airborne in but he wasn't peak John Elway I know Peyton Manning won obviously he was not peak Peyton Manning um there have been some others others walk out on top if if you and I would conclude that that's really the end of his career you know way more about the history of sports than pretty much any human being I know on earth especially anyone who's been on air is that the most iconic finish to a career I think so, at least of the sports that I have followed. Ted Williams famously, legendarily, hit a home run in his last at-bat at age 42. But it wasn't in the World Series. Right. It wasn't even nationally televised. It was a dark, dreary day at Fenway Park with about 10,000 people in the stands. More recently, Derek Jeter wrote a perfect final act. Walk-off base hit at Yankee Stadium. They did go to Boston, and he took a few at-bats, and his last official at-bat was an infield single. But in the public imagination, that's the final moment for Derek Jeter, and it is great. But the Yankees didn't even make the playoffs that year. When you think of what was at stake, the game wasn't even tied. He took possible defeat and turned it into victory. He did everything that you mentioned preceding, the two free throws, the driving layup, the steal on Malone. No one else even touched the ball on the last two possessions for the Bulls. Driving layup, there was, didn't get it off a pass, took the inbound, went in, scored. Then when he stole the ball from Malone, he brought it out of the backcourt, he took it to where he wanted to take the shot, he makes the shot, it's classic in every way. I can't think of anything that matches that. And you know, a lot of people have said, and understandably, what the heck, Jerry Krause, what could you possibly be thinking? Your own ego and insecurities get the best of you, you're going to break up the team. Why didn't Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, overrule him? All of that is perfectly valid, but in my mind, it's better that it ended the way it did. Did you really want to see them ultimately lose at some point, and he walks off the court having lost in a final or an earlier playoff series? And what could be better even if they added another title or even two more titles? Could the script be as good as that? He leaves. You know, there's an old, he's still very much with us, and he looks great for 57 or whatever he is. But you know that old trope about people who leave us and we've never seen them age. James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, Roberto Clemente. We never really saw Michael Jordan age as an athlete. The stuff with the Wizards, no one even has much of, a, of an image of that in their heads. They've got that last game against Utah in their heads. And so for the purpose of legend, for the purpose of mystique, it's actually better that it ended there and have them go for a seventh or eighth. Bob, if I ever have there ever a documentary about my life, I hope you narrate it. In the meantime, I really <laughs> appreciate you being our guest. Uh, look forward to seeing more of you on the last four episodes, and we appreciate you spending some time with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks a lot, Doug. Take care. Uh, it's the great Bob Costas joining us 
on the Doug Gottlieb show. Yeah, I could, I could end that with a tease, but why? Ah, maybe I will. Bad news for a top five pick in the NFL. Share with you next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Dan Byer, what do you got, my friend? Doug, the game today is... Big deal, little deal, no deal. I know you're going to touch on this in a little bit, but big deal, little deal, or no deal that the Cowboys signed quarterback Andy Dalton over the weekend. I think that's a little deal. He's okay. a backup quarterback who uh, was replaced and, you know, $3 million. He lives in Dallas. I think it's a smart deal from the Dallas Cowboys. 
And it's a good deal for Andy Dalton because if, in fact, he gets to play, he'll be surrounded by you know some of the best talent in the league. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that the Bears didn't pick up the fifth-year option on the contract of Mitchell Trubisky this weekend. Uh, that is a big deal because it makes Mitchell Trubisky have to perform this year. And, you know, you put you, but I mean, like, look, some of it, some of the discussion is like, well, that means he's out. Like, no, they can still uh, extend him. You know, they can franchise him. They can offer him a new deal. You know, look, his deal this year is $4.423 million. Counts 9.3 against the salary cap. $9.3 million against the salary cap. So the the idea is this. You get away from paying an absorb, I think it's like $18 million next year. Doesn't mean you can't pay him. It just means you don't lock, not locked into a two-year contract. You're in a one-year contract. Prove it. Prove it. Um, so, you know, look, Nick Foles' deal, I know people are like, well, if $21 million in guarantees, it was stretched out. Basically, Chicago is going to have an open quarterback competition, but I would say that Trubisky is the favorite because he's the incumbent. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz told reporters the drafting of Jalen Hurts in the second round didn't bother him because, as he said, quote, it didn't really concern me, end quote. Like it, that, That's a big deal. That's a big deal. We, we talked about this last week with Aaron Rodgers. You know, like, I don't, you know, I saw people like, where well, Aaron Rodgers should be, where should he, he should be, want to be traded. Like, they can't trade him. The, the, the contract, the salary cap, the dead cap money is too big. It's not happening. Nor do they want to play Jordan Love right now. doesn't concern you. Just go play football. You're making a ton of money. You're the guy. If something happens, they have a, a fallback strategy, especially for, for Carson Wentz. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that the NFL pulled the plug in international games in 2020. That's a smart deal. I'm going to say that's a big deal. Right. Those games that continue to grow. Obviously, Mexico losing another game. They, they lost that Rams chiefs game two years ago because the field conditions now they lose their game london losing their games that's a big deal though but it's something that had to happen considering we just have no idea what the world's going to look like if in fact we have football this fall quick side commentary because i feel like rams uh, chiefs has been replayed so much over these last two months so great to see cowboys packers from the 90s yesterday on fox in their fox greatest games nfc championship just so many great names and yep. of course summer all in madden uh big, summer all in madden big deal barve <laughs> barve touchdown green bay big deal little deal or no deal that new iona coach rick patino was named in allegations by the ncaa against the louisville men's basketball program i honestly think it's not that big a deal um you know it's the failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance is what they got him on I mean, Rick Pitino, he lost his job already. He lost a ton of money. I, you know, I don't, I see this as no big deal. And no, no big deal. Finally, Doug, I'll wrap up with this. Don Shula passing away at 90. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that he had just two seasons under 500 in his 33 as an NFL head coach. Oh, that's a big deal. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Great football coach, seen as an incredible man. And of course, he authored the, uh, the perfect season, which even Bill Belichick could not do. That's game, huh? This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. And embraced, you know, the the forward pass and going four wide before really anybody else. I I also think it's interesting how many people don't know um, that Don Shula was head coach of the Baltimore Colts. Right? Like, they don't even know. But he won two Super Bowls, four-time coach of the year, sportsman of the year. Uh, just an incredible, iconic football coach, dead today at the age of 90. I'll dive into my story, my thoughts on the Cowboys signing Andy Dalton next on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I just got an IG from uh, Renard803. Had to throw a cap shot into your interview with Cowherd Media Spin Doctor. Okay, I'll, I'll show you. I'll tell you why Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick, there's some similarities there upcoming. Um Look, there's uh, football stories in that uh, Don Shula passed away at the age of 90 years old. It's a good run, right? You never want to see old people pass away. Um, but 90 years is, that's a good run. That's hitting the over. It's in the over. What a great football coach. Great football coach. And good steakhouses too. 
Don Shula's Steakhouse, good, good. I, I approve. It's very, very tasty. Uh, I've been to the Myrtle Beach one several times over. That was really good. Anyway, uh, we got more for you on the last dance upcoming. Rick Bucher will be our guest. But but the, the story about Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton, who of course has been the starting quarterback for the Bengals for the most part this year, some is the exception. Since he was drafted in the second round of the TCU, he was released and then 48 hours later signed by the Dallas Cowboys. Contract details, one year, $3 million deal. Should be pointed out that Dalton lives in DFW. They, as you heard from Dan Beyer, released Cooper Rush, who was one of their backup quarterbacks. And so Dalton becomes the old head mentor quarterback in the quarterback room. Des Bryant on Twitter, nothing against Andy Dalton because I think he's a great player, but the Cowboys are extremely out of line. Pay Dak. I watched the Cowboys pay Tony twice without a winning record. I guess the Cowboys are viewing the quarterback position as a plug-in piece because of a dominant offense. Okay, here's the thing, Des. They offered him a huge contract. It is not as much as he wants. And the offer, by the way, I believe is still there. If not, it's franchise tag, which is like $30 million. Okay. So the idea that, well, they paid Tony Romo and he hadn't won. Now Dak has won. By the way, it's actually the perfect analogy to what I've been saying all along, which is Tony Romo is a better, has been, will be a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, regardless of his record. Because if you want to say that quarterback record is the reason you pay a guy, well, then he's coming off a year where they didn't finish above 500. They didn't make the playoffs in the worst division in football. If he's responsible for the wins, why isn't he responsible for the losses? Anybody? Does anybody want to help me there? Okay. Didn't think so. And it's not like they've said like, hey, no, we're not offering you any money. Worst case scenario, he makes $30 million this year and is a restricted free agent next year. Could be franchise tag again. That's worst case scenario. I mean, I guess they could release him, but why would you at this point? And when you say nothing against Andy Dalton, he's a great player. Andy Dalton's not a great player. He's making $3 million. That changes nothing. And if you want to say, well, that is going to, um, th- that is going to prohibit the Cowboys... Okay, Marcus Mario is making seven and a half million dollars. Seven and a half. Taysom Hill just signed a deal that makes that makes more than that. You know, go around the league. Last year, Drew Stanton made two point seven eight million dollars as a backup. That that's the kind of money you're talking about paying a backup quarterback. Andy Andy Dalton's a proven veteran quarterback who can start. And can get you to the playoffs. Now, God forbid, Dak Prescott gets hurt and you have a legitimate chance for the Cowboys to still make the playoffs. That's what you have. If you don't and you have Cooper Rush, you have no idea what you have. None. Zero. A.J. McCarron last year made $3 million as a backup quarterback with the Houston Texans. Nate Sudfeld, $3.1 million. Colt McCoy, $3.38 million. Brian Hoyer with the Colts made $5 million. Chase Daniel made six with the Bears. Tyrod Taylor, I believe, this year is going to make seven and a half to be the starter. He made six last year as a backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, 7.25 last year 
And of course, you know, Eli Manning became the backup and he was making 17 million. For, for some reason, we look at this like from the player perspective, like one, it doesn't limit how much they can pay Dak. Two, it's really smart business. When did we when did we get into the when did we get to this place where anything that's done with the idea of helping the franchise is a bad thing? When did that happen? When was that moment? Because you sound like the dumbest human being on earth when you don't have the wherewithal to go like, wait, we can get Andy Dalton for $3 million to be our backup? You know? Like it's, it, it's probably going to happen, but Dak hasn't signed the franchise tag. They had to start the season, and Dak right now has shown that he doesn't want to participate in Zoom calls. But you, you have to have a second quarterback. Right? You have to have one. If not for having a second quarterback, you wouldn't have had Dak Prescott. By the way, their backup was hurt. That's why he was now his offensive coordinator. Who, you know, that's why he got the job to begin with. But this idea that like somehow $3 million is some crazy amount of money that limits what you can pay Dak Prescott. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say anything about Dak. If anything, it says, hey, look, we're if you have ever had to take a day game off. Remember last year, he had some injuries because he'd been banged around before they played the Philadelphia Eagles. Now you got a chance to put a guy in who's actually won football games, big ones before. And oh yeah, by the way, this is what starters do. They want to stay in the league. They take substantially less and they take on this advisor role, this mentor role. And if you ask yourself, what does that have to do with Colin Kaepernick? I said, this is why Cam Newton's not in the league. I call this thing mid-season. Camden's not playing for $3 million, $1 million, $3 million. No chance. He thinks he's a starter. Which, by the way, when Colin Kaepernick visited, the only team he ever visited was the Seattle Seahawks. He came out and said, I'm, I still believe I'm a starter. And the Seahawks said, he still believes he's a starter. We think he's a starter. That's why we maybe couldn't come to terms. Being a starter doesn't just mean you're not going to start. It means, or saying that you're going to start, it also means getting paid starter money which for a veteran is upwards of 15 to $20 million at the minimum, let alone the maximum being in the forties. So if you don't have a job, I mean, think about that right now. Any, I mean, 30 million Americans are going to not have their job by the end of this month, 30 million. So imagine walking in going like, yeah, here, here's the deal, man. I know I don't have a job, but I want to be paid top of the market. They're like, mm, don't care how good you are. Pass. That's the reality to it. But we've, we've gotten in this weird place where the, the team protecting themselves in a, in a sport where guys are injured often. Like, did you watch the Alex Smith documentary on Friday? Did you guys watch that? Music, did you watch that at all? Because there were more pictures about Alex Smith's injury than had no, previously existed. I'm, I did not have an appetite to watch that. I get it. I'm sure it's some incredible story about him coming back. Oh, I have tons and tons of respect for Alex Smith, but uh, no, th I don't need to watch that in order to have respect for Alex Smith and what he's going through. Ramos, did you see it? I did not see it. Let's see if Dan did. No, I uh, did not. Okay. Would you guys like me to send you the photos? No, the thanks. Others? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Didn't watch it for a reason. Don't need to see it for that same reason. Huh? You sure? I mean, I am, dude, it I is, have never it been is... more sure of almost anything in my life. Okay, because the the injury, I mean, they have a picture of his leg before they did the graphs, where 
you can literally see the bone, the rod, and uh, an open look into the mus- muscles of the leg and tendons of the leg. It is the most, and he's, I mean, he's not fine now, but he's, you know, not going to lose the leg. I don't think he'll ever play football again. But as we told you last week, like, look, this, this year's dead cap money is $32 million. If, if that's not, you better have a quality backup. The, not, the, the Washington Redskins were in first place in the NFC East. Alex Smith breaks his leg in four places, has an infection, et cetera, et cetera. They go to Colt McCoy who breaks his leg and they've been a mess ever since. So do I disagree with Des Bryant? Yes. He doesn't even know how much that's going rate. That's That's probably below market for, for Alex Smith. I mean, for Alex Smith, for, um, for the red rifle. And you end up getting yourself a quality backup while you don't know what the future for the starter holds, but it's not like a leverage play. It's not leverage. Andy Dalton, $3 million is not a leverage play. That doesn't leverage Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's contract is still there for him to sign. That's an insurance. That's you're basically buying insurance on a guy who doesn't really get hurt. But just in case, would you rather it be Cooper Rush or Andy Dalton? Of course, you'd rather be Andy Dalton. Sometimes you have to fully embrace what makes you great. Even if you don't like it, people don't like it. What I saw in the last dance reminds me of that. I'll share that with you next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. So music, I ask you this every week, and I'm intrigued because obviously we're of different ages. What was your takeaway from episodes five and six of uh, The Last Dance? One of my takeaways was that if Jerry Krause liked you, that means that Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen hated you. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Even yeah. if you did absolutely nothing to them personally, it simply made you an enemy because Jerry Krause thought you were a good player. Hmm. Bayer, you have any uh, uh, profound takeaways from, uh, I mean, I know you were working and then you got home to, to watch it in time. Um, yeah, actually, I'm doing the show from home, so actually it's, it works out great because then when the show ends, I've got about an hour to get things ready and then can sit down and watch it. I wanted to know how deep that they went in this stuff of, of Jordan's flaws. Like That's what I was waiting because I thought it was a very pro-Jordan sort of uh, you know presentation, and I still feel that way. Even with the gambling thing, I, you know, he explained his stuff. He explained the Isaiah Thomas stuff, but he was also like, "Well, it wasn't just me that did it." Um, it still seems to be very pro Jordan. That's all. Oh, it was definitely pro Jordan. Yeah. I, I kind of told you guys that beforehand. Like, you know, Jordan wouldn't be wouldn't be pitching yeah. this thing if he didn't if he didn't know that it was. You know what I mean? Like there was, and, and I know there's a lot to cover, you know, like I know it's a 10 part series, but there's still a lot of things that were like left out. And I thought like, I remember in the 92 finals in that in game six, Portland was up by uh, 16 at the start of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And Phil Jackson had a bunch of reserves and Scottie Pippen in, and they were the ones to erase that deficit and then allowed the Bulls to end up winning Game 6. Otherwise, that series ends up going Game 7. I think Portland was up 16 entering the fourth quarter. The point being was, I think that's a really big part in that series, and all we heard about the series was how Jordan Jordan didn't think Clyde Drexler was on his level, and he had 35 in the first half, and what do you know, the Bulls win. Like, like, okay, well, there's parts here that that are missing that I think could have shed light even on, you know, other members of the Bulls, or Phil Jackson being like, hey, I put four reserves out there when we're trying to win an NBA title and look how it worked, but instead it was all about Jordan. I totally agree with you. Actually, Ryan and I talked about that this morning where, you know, it's like uh, Horace Grant was made to look like the bad guy 
for leaking the information to Sam Smith for the Jordan rules, right? Yeah. But but the reason that people thought that or Jordan thought that Horace Grant would have done that was he wasn't getting nearly the credit or attention that he felt like he deserved. And what's crazy about it is like it's pretty obvious outside of Scottie Pippen and maybe to a lesser extent Dennis Rodman, like who is? It's like those other guys don't exist. Sure. You know? Exactly. They they suddenly do not they they don't exist. I agree with you on the on the reserves coming back and and you know there's a there's I mean Give it look, to Phil it, Jackson. Like just be like, you know what, this is what, you know, Phil you know, this is why Phil was so great. You could have, you know, even have done that, but it was just 35 of the first half, and what do you know? I'm better than Clyde Drexler. Bulls win again. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, it, fascinating. I mean, they also, you know, they they skipped over. That was the seventh game. The seven-game series against the Knicks was that year, whereas the six-game series the, the following year. There was, there was no mention of the Cavs, who, you know, he constantly ended the Cavs uh, there's just a lot, there's a lot. And I, and I, you can sit here and tell me like, Hey, for time, but it's basically Jordan hitting shot after shot after shot, except for Jordan playing bad in one game where he's three of 13 in the fourth quarter after he went out gambling the night before with his dad. Right. That was, mm-hmm. that's like the yep. only negative at all. Yeah. And we're, <laughs> we're, we're building on a, a mythical legacy with more legacy, uh, myth built, uh, building. Um, I'll tell you one part that I found interesting you know in in 92 when they went so 91 was when the uh the dream team was selected right guys yep so in 91 they select the dream team and isaiah thomas the two parts that stick out to me about the isaiah thomas thing where isaiah thomas you know with the dream team was like i had all the qualifications Okay, what were the qualifications? Because part of qualifications are, do people actually like you? Right? And if you go back, he had beef with Larry Bird. He had beef with Magic Johnson, who was supposedly his best friend. And they had a beef together. Where, you know, Magic had HIV. He had to retire early. He became a broadcaster. And Isaiah was telling people that, you know, Magic might be gay. And that led to them not having a relationship until... You know, a couple of years ago, they sat down and kind of hashed it out a little bit. So I, I found it fascinating that that Isaiah still, it's like he's waiting for somebody to tell him, like, look, we all think it. And getting along with people is very much a part of being on a team, especially when you're traveling for a month. For a month. Traveling together for a month, guys don't have to do it. And they're like, all right, let's just not get anybody. You, you can't have all alphas. You cannot. I also think it's fascinating that um, as we become, we have statistical, do, statistical dork guy who loves basketball pointing out how great this guy's stats are and that guy's stats are in basketball. I think one thing that is absolutely fascinating is through all of this, no one has ever even mentioned the name Dominique Wilkins. Now, look, Dominique is a Hall of Famer. I would personally say he shouldn't have been a Hall of Famer, but he's one of, what is it, 10 players ever to average 25 or more, 10 consecutive seasons, which all coincided with Jordan. The difference was they never won anything in Atlanta, anything. But it is fascinating. Like this guy was the human highlight film. He was an absolute scoring machine. 
And you could say in, in 92, you know, that was his first injury-plagued year, but he still averaged 28 a game before he was hurt. He wasn't on the team and then not on the team for, you know, because of injury. He wasn't even talked about, which, and I agree with, I, he shouldn't have been on the team. But it's more the idea of if people now come at you leading with stats, hey, the stats says this guy's the great, I, I give you Dominique Wilkins. Stats lie to you. They don't always tell you who the best players are. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's welcome in Albert Breer, who joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Albert, kind of interesting, and I know obviously I want to talk football with you, is Albert join, uh, works for MMQB. He's their NFL insider. You been watching The Last Dance? Yeah, I have been. What's your takeaway? Um... You know, it's funny because I like you, you heard about all the footage, and there was there's been, I think like the footage last night was awesome, the All Star Game footage, like where they're all sitting around, and then you had, you know, Magic and Larry and Michael in the hallway. I, I really thought up until now, the the actual inside footage was just okay, and they've done a nice job storytelling around it. But you know, we'd heard about this footage forever that it was gold, and I've sort of felt like. Just to justify how they've built it up, they, they're telling a much bigger story around it. Does that make sense? Yep. So it wasn't quite what I expected. Yep. And I, look, I, I don't, I'm not sure it's the world's greatest documentary, but in, in, their, in their defense, they kind of had to rush it to production, right? I mean, they, usually yeah. these things are done, and then they sell it, and then everybody sees it, and it gets thoroughly combed over, and sometimes they fix it up. That's kind of not the case. This thing has been done kind of... Uh, kind of kind of quickly um all right let's let, let's get to the national football league uh, m- most of the fifth year options not picked up mitch trubisky is obviously the biggest name is he qb1 heading into camp in chicago uh i think i think that he takes the first snap of camp but i think it's a completely open competition and you know, I initially felt like, and I think the Bears sort of had this plan, too, that they were going to go in sort of like the Titans went into camp last year where they brought in Brian Tannehill, who had a lot of starting experience, um, at that point seven years, as a starter under his belt in Miami. And, um, you know, they, they, they were going to give Marcus Mariota this one last shot. And I think as things ramped up in March, and they were looking at both Nick Foles and, and Andy Dalton, both of whom had you know experience with guys in their coaching staff, I think they sort of wrapped their arms around the idea of just having an open competition. And so that's where they are now, and this will be an open competition. And it's a weird one in that, you know, just because there are some new guys in that staff, and, and in particular, um, you know, Bill Lazor and, and John DiFilippo coming in, um, the incumbent actually may not even have an edge when it comes to how things are going to go over the new guy because the new guy has all the background with the new offensive coordinator and the new quarterbacks coach. And so that part of it's going to be fascinating to me in that, you know, uh, Mitch Trubisky has an advantage in knowing his teammates and, you know, Foles has maybe a little bit of an advantage in knowing his coaches. 
And so how all of that plays out, I think, is going to be really, really interesting. I look at the Andy Dalton signing. I'm like, man, Andy Dalton, $3 million in Dallas. That makes a lot of sense for the, for the Cowboys. Some will take it as an affront and some sort of leverage in the Dak Prescott thing. It's only $3 million. Uh, what should our takeaway be of Andy Dalton, the new backup in Dallas? Well, remember what the Cowboys have been through. They've seen both sides of this, right? So, you know, at the end of Tony Romo's career, he had trouble staying healthy. Um, they had a great year, 12-4, and four, and, you know, the Dez Kotick game finished it in 2014. And then in 15 and 16, Romo got hurt. And in 15, when he got hurt, it was sort of a disaster. And, you know, they wound up with one of the worst records in the league because they didn't have their backup quarterback situation sorted out. In 16, they drafted Dak Prescott, struck gold there. Romo got hurt again, and they wound up um, being one of the teams that got a bye in the NFC in the playoffs. And so, you know, they've seen both sides of this, and, and I think primarily this is an investment in their team in saying we don't want to be caught in the situation we were caught in in 2015. Um, we want to have an answer like the, the Saints had an answer in Teddy Bridgewater last year if we were to lose our starter for, say, a month or six weeks. And that makes sense, too, because if you look at the roster, there are a lot of guys who are right in the wheelhouse of their prime or in the back end of their prime. And so losing a year because a quarterback goes down for five or six or seven weeks would be a tough pill to swallow. So that's a good reason to have Dalton in-house. Um, and then, you know, maybe a side benefit is, you know, you can legitimately say to Dak if he wants to hold out in camp, um, life will go on. And, you know, we'll be able to at least put something competent on the field during training camp and in the preseason games with a very experienced starting quarterback here. And so maybe it creates a little bit of leverage, but I, I think their primary, um, their primary reasoning for doing this, no question about it, is you know, how they see the value of the backup quarterback based on their own experiences. Albert Breer, our guest in the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Watched uh, that Alex Smith documentary. Obviously, that guy's tougher than a $2 steak. Uh, the, the damage to the leg is so extensive. I don't see how he plays football again. But but the contract is still there, and because he won't retire, I mean, that, that even if he does, I mean that that contract is prohibitive. Is the contract the reason that they are not reaching out to Cam Newton or another quarterback, or are they really going to give Dwayne Haskins an entire season to see if he can play? No, their plan is to give Dwayne Haskins an entire season, and they were fortunate in that Kyle Allen was there. Um, to, for them to, for them to go and get in the trade. And, um, you know, a lot of people have asked, well, why, why, why do the trade for, for Kyle Allen for a fifth round pick and not do it for Cam Newton? Really, the reason why is the money. Um, Kyle Allen's going to come in on a really cheap contract, an undrafted free agent contract. And you know, he can start for you because he did start for Ron Rivera and Scott Turner last year in Carolina. And so, you know, what they've done is they, they've created the right situation to get answers on Dwayne Haskins at the very least. And so they're going to do everything they can to get Dwayne Haskins ready to play and ready to be their starter in, in, in 2020. At the very least, they'll come out of 2020 with an answer on whether or not he's the long-term guy. I don't think they're fooling themselves and thinking they're winning a championship this year. And if things were really to go south, they've got a guy who isn't costing them a lot of money who they know can come in and start in a pinch for them. And so um, I think the idea is to give Haskins every opportunity to prove that he can be the franchise quarterback going forward. Um, and they were, again, fortunate to have an affordable option out there sort of as a safety net for them at the most important position. 
All right, so Cam's going to sit and wait, right? Like, he doesn't sign to be anybody's backup. Yeah. I mean, I mean, two things hurt Doug. Two things really hurt, hurt Cam. Number one is the obvious, the physical, right? I mean, it's tough for teams to commit to a guy to be their starting quarterback. Um, when he's got the right shoulder issue, he's got the left foot issue, and you can't have your doctors get, a, get their hands on him. So that's, that's problem number one. Problem number two is uh, because Cam is who he is, we don't know how he'd blend into a team as, you know, maybe a 1B on the roster, as maybe the 30th guy on the roster. Um, he's been the guy for so long, whether it was at Blinn Junior College or at, at Auburn or, you know, in Carolina the last nine years. It's really hard for any team to look at it and say, well, how would he fit in as the backup? How would he fit in as just another guy? And I don't know that Cam wants to do that either, you know. And so I think it's a – because of everything that comes with Cam, it's a little bit more difficult to sort of pigeonhole him in there as a number two, like you were able to do with Jameis Winston, like you were able to do with Andy Dalton. And, uh, and so that's why I think, you know, he's sort of sitting out there waiting. And, you know, maybe we get to training camp, and it's like Jay Cutler a few years back where somebody gets hurt or somebody looks at their quarterback situation and it isn't what they thought it was, and there's Cam Newton sitting there for him. But – definitely a different situation and um you know i think the fact that maybe he was a little less willing to to be a backup somewhere and teams had a little bit of a harder time squaring with the idea of him being a backup you know those things have sort of come together to to leave him out there without a job in may can the then the jaguars find anyone to take leonard fournette off their hands i doubt it um he costs a lot of money for now and um, you only have, a, have him under contract for this year. That's it. Uh, and he's sort of like a, I guess, like a, a 20th century running back, you know. Like he's sort of what the prototype was in 1992. And um, that doesn't mean he can't play, but most teams are looking for different kinds of backs now. And while he's, you know, a really good version of what used to be the prototype, when you add everything together – and you look at the price tag, it's just, I think for a lot of teams, it's a non-starter. So, uh, you know, if he's free and maybe he's out there for a couple million bucks, we're talking about something all different altogether. But, you know, asking for some team to take on what's left of his contract, knowing he's only under contract for another year, um, you know, and, and having to maybe give up a draft pick to do it, I, I just think based on who he is as a player, it's a lot to ask. Albert Breer, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Albert, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be fascinated by, but I am. How much financially does the league take a hit because they're not going to play these international games, or does it actually help the teams because they get an additional home game back? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I guess for the from the team's perspective, you could argue that, but you know, there's a missed opportunity from from a marketing perspective. Um, certainly the league's going to lose some money on this. Um, you know, but it would have been very, very difficult to go overseas. I think we all know that. And it's for obvious reasons. I mean, the league's planning to have protocols in place in 2020 in all 32 stadiums, uniform protocols. And I think, you know, you, if you look at other countries, the circumstances are going to be different in those places. And how do you force those sorts of protocols? on stadiums in foreign countries that that are only hosting a game or two, you know? It's just a lot harder to do, and that's without even getting to the whole problem with taking hundreds of people overseas and back five times during the year. 
So, you know, I think it was, it was the obvious move. I think this was sort of inevitable, and, and now it's happened. And maybe the biggest impact to the NFL here, Doug, is that, um, is that if you look at it, they've been on a timeline to try to get more games to London, maybe eventually get a team there. And so this sort of becomes a hiccup in that timeline. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, we're a little over a week removed from the first round of the NFL draft. Albert Breer, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. There was a lot of discussion about uh, Jordan Love being drafted to eventually potentially replace Aaron Rodgers. Now that we've had some time to kind of catch our breath, any idea how Aaron Rodgers feels about it? You know, we we have other people who are saying, well, he must be, or there have been some who said there was one report that said he wasn't happy with it. Where are we now with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love? Well, he called him, and so, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to be as icy as, um, as Rogers Favre was. And, you know, I, I mean, quite honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers is self-aware enough to remember what that felt like, you know. And so I don't think that, like, he's going to – I don't think he's going to hold it against the kid personally. Now, will he hold it against the team? That's a different question altogether, you know. And could this wind up? you know, at least straining the relationship between him and his coaches, between him and the front office there, it certainly could. Especially when you, you know, you look at it, and I talked about to Brian Gutekunst about this, um, you know, a couple days after the draft, and, I mean, they didn't have a chance to call him before they made the pick. And, you know, that sort of, you know, I, I like, it wasn't intentional, it wasn't malicious, but that could be something that could be an underlying problem. They're just... I, you know, I think it's like anything else, right? It's, you know, if somebody brings in somebody to replace you, Doug, on the radio show and sits them right next to you, like, it's going to be a little awkward, right? And it's not going to be, it's not going to be, like, 100%, like, like it's not going to be 100% what people hope it'll be. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. And, hey, look, it could wind up having a real positive effect, too. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. I think a lot of people that have been around the Patriots over the last six or seven years would tell you that you got a little extra from Tom Brady as a result of the team drafting Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014. And really, that time's up, too, because you look, they hadn't won a Super Bowl in eight or nine years. All of a sudden, Garoppolo's there, and they win Super Bowls in three of the next five. Yep, and, and Aaron Rodgers has been a guy that's, that's used anything at all to motivate himself to feel like he's been slighted throughout his career. And, like, look, with a contract, they're not doing anything for a couple of years with him. So we'll see if it does right. motivate him. You know, it's going to be going to be fascinating. Albert Breer, Senior Reporter, the MMQB. Follow him on Twitter, at Albert Breer. Albert, thanks so much for joining us. Great stuff, as always. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Albert Breer joins us in the Discover Card Guest Hotline. Get your free credit score card today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It also includes your FICO credit score, and checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard limitations apply. Some interesting changes that could be coming to college football. You're here next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening what's up everybody this is Stephen A. Smith when I'm not at my day job first tape you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith show podcast tune in every Monday Wednesday and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports pop culture business and politics You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend. Seems like we're creeping closer and closer to being back online and working, which means more of you will get a chance to know me if you're in your car. In the meantime, thanks for streaming us or listening on your iHeartRadio app. You can do so wherever you listen to the show. Uh, l- let's uh, do what we do every day, which is bring you a portion of a previous show on Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1, we call it. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? This is Dan Patrick talking about some information he received from a source about the return of college football in 2020. Here's a consensus going around among the uh, major conferences. If things progress at a predictable curve, we're going to have 10 games. Now, this is somebody on the inside, a source saying 10 games with a later start 
and that means later in the uh, calendar year, nine conference games, regional games take preference, less travel. You won't have any FCS games. Players returning mid-June, maybe early July. So Ohio State would play Akron or Kentucky. Uh, Illinois would schedule Northern Illinois or Missouri. Uh, bus to more games, not flying. Uh, the conference that is struggling is the Pac-12. California is a concern. When it will open and they stretch from Washington to Arizona, money will be a concern. Uh, attendance will be limited. Uh, in some cases, uh, Rutgers wouldn't necessarily fly to Minnesota for a game. Yeah, I, listen, I just I, I think these are all still contingency plans as schools and states are coming back online. And we'll just have to see. We have to track the numbers and see, track the treatment and see kind of where we go with things. Look, I think it's reasonable to believe what our government decided was the was the proper action saved thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives. Like it is, um, you know, it, it, it is very, very possible that we, you know, if right now there's 60,000 deaths and there's a new model that has increased the projection to 134,000 deaths at the end of this thing, like it's reasonable to think that having a country on essentially a coronavirus lockdown for two months saved what? 100,000, 150,000, 200,000 lives? Possible, possible. So it was the right and Maybe for some states, including the one we broadcast from, is the right thing to do. But it is not a it is not a forever idea. Like you you cannot now there's a difference between forever and opening up and having full stadiums and whatever, and there's some sort of middle ground. But there's so much we don't know about it. Why do so many have uh, asymptomatic uh, have uh, why are so many asymptomatic to it? Are there two different strains? Does it depend upon your age? Is it all comorbidities, people that are dying here? Um, it, it obviously spreads, spreads far easier and far faster and wider than the flu did, even if it's not percentage-wise um, as deadly or the same you know, level of mortality rate because it spreads so much more quickly that you may not have a higher percentage, but you'll still have a much higher number as we've already had. Right. It's like you'll hear people say on an average year, well, okay, well, last year, 34,000 people died, supposedly the flu. This is like we're in the 60s and we're talking about two months in. So you can't really compare the two. So I don't know. I just know that there's a bunch of contingency plans that are out there. Some people say spring. Some people say this plan that Dan Patrick's talking about. Some people think it'll be the regular full go. We just don't know. Music, what do you think? Like, you're the youngest of us. You're the healthiest, although you do have some uh, older people that, that you live with, and there's other people in your life that, that you, obviously you don't want to get sick. What do you think of, of where we are and where we're going? Yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing is I know with everyone who has been affected by this, and we've all in some way or another been affected by it, I just have such a hard time projecting to where we'll be in September given that we're barely two months into this whole situation to begin with. So I'm supposed to have some sort of feeling on where we'll be more than twice to almost three times as long away than we've ever even been dealing with this. So I think if if we're clearly doing things to project in the right direction, I don't see how 
granted, I think we can all accept that it will be without fans for quite some time. Just given, you know, large gatherings, it's going to be a long time before we can feel comfortable doing that. But just having the events in some type of capacity, I, f- I think come September, we will be at that point. So you think in September we, we will or will not have large gatherings? We'll not have large gatherings, but we'll have games. I don't know if that's the case. The University of Washington previously predicted 72,000 deaths at the, by, by Monday morning, and they, they're not off by much. Now they're saying it's going to be 134,000. But a lot of this depends upon when we open up and how the models change. There's also no control group, so we don't know what it would be like had it not opened up. But it is, this is going to be fascinating. I believe that they'll, they'll have, we'll have full go unless there is a massive secondary outbreak in the next couple of weeks, we will have full college football stadiums in the fall. I didn't say that's the right thing, but I think that's the most likely thing just because of the dollars and cents to it. And this is the issue with, with keeping things closed and opening them up is when they get opened up, it, it provides us with even greater energy to go see our favorite college play. All right, more on that to come. Last night, you found out exactly why there will never be another Michael and Jordan, not even LeBron James. And it isn't all having to do with winning championships. That's next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you had a good weekend. You know, um, you ever try and recreate something from your childhood and you're just like, ah, can't do it. And many of the things now are better than the things then. You know, like I, I took my, um, my, my son, he kind of had it with hanging out with me yesterday. He just, he's like, it's not anything personal to you, but man, you're in my business too much. Just you're around too much. I was like, all right, well. So, uh, we went on a bike ride and we went, there's this really cool path and there's, we went for like four miles or so. And there's like a tree off it that, you know, kids are hanging out and climbing in or whatever. We went off road and he was asking me, he's like, well, what did you do when you were a kid, when you were bored, like in the summer? And I was like, well, I don't know. We'd race bikes around the block. It's like, but I remember crashing that bike and have no shirt on. So I skinned up my chest. It was like first day of summer. You ever do that? Get an injury first day of summer? I was like, oh man, it's terrible. But I, I, I think of the Jordan thing and I think of things when we were kids. I think of meals you've had when you're really hungry. I think of times in your life that you want to recreate and you realize you're never going to be able to because in addition to you are older and you have more experience, and you understand the ramifications of chances you take and just try, try and be smarter. Like the world has changed. The world has changed. You know? And, you know, for example, like now you're on quarantine. How much does your kid work on his basketball? Like I played basketball a lot when I was a kid and I would play a lot of like imaginary games, one on zero down at my friend Garrett Phipps's house. But I can't tell you that I worked as smartly in terms of individual workouts as like, you know, kids do now. Does that mean they'll be better basketball players? I don't know. Because I would also do basketball camps in the summer as opposed to now teams do basketball tournaments. I bring that up because I'm, I'm thinking about MJ. And look, Kobe tried to be Jordan by emulating him. LeBron just tried to be better than Jordan. 
And you could make a pretty good case that uh, his body is better. He's never been hurt. Um, he, he does more things maybe well than LeBron. I mean, if you watch Jordan, like Jordan went to his left, but he wasn't, wasn't like he was some great ball handler. He could pass, but it wasn't like he's some great passer. He blocked shots, but it wasn't like he had the chase down blocks that LeBron has. So there's a lot of things that, that LeBron does and off the court, like LeBron has been a brilliant businessman, not just in with his, you know, Rich Paul with his agent growing that business, but obviously their investment in Beats by Dre as well as uh, Blaze Pizza. I mean, they've done some brilliant stuff and whether it's him or people advising him, like it's his brand, it's his money, it's his name and he's been widely successful. But even if you're better, just like bikes are better now, right? Like the bike you rode when you were a kid compared to the bike your kid rides, like, man, this is so much better. Is it though? Right? Maybe sometimes it's our perception. Like, I don't think LeBron, because he left Cleveland and you play, you start doing the multi-stop. And I know that Jordan played for the Wizards, but, and I don't know if they'll get into it. A lot of that was Jordan should have taken more time away from the sport and didn't. And Ted Leonsis, who's the owner of the wizards talked him into running the team. And, you know, he still didn't have it totally out of his system. The wizards were struggling. His number one pick had fizzled out and he just decided to hell with it. I'll show guys that I can still do it. Um, you know, look, I, I, I know that Jordan played for two teams, but he's basically a Chicago bull. I think that hurts LeBron that he's played now for three different franchises, two franchise, one franchise twice. I think it hurts LeBron that he likes to set other people up. Jordan did pass. Jordan had to pass in order to win championships. But LeBron, you saw Paxson hits the shot. That was after passing the basketball um, up ahead of the court when he saw a double team coming. Or Paxson hit all those shots against the Lakers, right? Or or Steve Kerr hitting the shot against the uh, against the Seattle Supersonics. Like all of these things did in fact take place. <clears throat> but like to me, LeBron missing the opportunity of, of being in a done contest. That's something he's never going to get back. LeBron switching teams. That's something he's never going to get back. All of those things, all of them are going to limit how much we look at, how we look at LeBron and and how we compare him. There's, social media didn't exist. So we didn't know enough about his personal life. And he was really engaged. Um, and I think, I don't know what you think, Ryan, but I think like politics are so incredibly divisive that Jordan's ability to stay out of the fray and how politics has become more divisive. I think that all leads to Jordan being, being viewed more positively. Is that fair? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where when you are going to speak out about something politically, you're going to say something, regardless of whether we think it's right, wrong, or indifferent, you're always going to find a group of people who are going to rally against that. And I know that MJ took some heat for never being political, but I still don't think it even comes close to comparing to how many people would have rallied against him had he said something regarding that election at the time. Well, I, I don't listen. I, I don't know if uh, we don't know. I mean, 
you, you know, I mean, you go back to when Jesse Helms uh, was, you know, was seen as a racist and, you know, he's asked to support an African-American candidate who's running against him. We don't know how much backlash there would have been. Um, do I think, you know, it, it, it's understandable to reason that it, it, it would have been very divisive? Sure. But this is before Fox News ever came to be. This is before, like CNN didn't come into prominence until the first Persian Gulf War, which was, was that 91 yes. guys? Yeah, it was like 91, right? So, I mean, it's, we're sitting here, we're trying to view yesterday through the prism of today. And that's just, I'll give you an example, okay? Um, did you, have you guys, I tweeted out some footage of Dennis Robin playing in college. And in college, he played at Southeast Oklahoma State. Their nickname was the Savages. Now, Savages obviously has been changed. That is, I mean, that's by the book, pretty offensive Indian nickname or Native American nickname, right? And now they're the Savage Storm. But at the time, like that wasn't, that, that had, in the 70s, schools had switched their nicknames. Stanford had switched from the, Indians to the Cardinal, right? The running Indians of Utah changed to the Utes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the time, like, again, we're looking at it through today. Like, man, how did that get through? It, it was a very different sensibility. They let you smoke on airplanes. They let you smoke on airplanes, period. Pressurized metal oxygenated cabin, 30,000, 40,000 feet above the earth. like, until you can write, we didn't, there wasn't seatbelt laws and people wouldn't wear seatbelts because they legitimately feared if their car was submerged, that they wouldn't be able to get out of a submerged car. That was, that was, or it was just the government trying to impede on your helmet laws didn't exist. I mean, there's so many things that we can't really conceptualize that weren't that long ago. I mean, if you watch all of these, this footage, like Jordan is, reading things written in the newspaper one guys don't really read the newspaper anymore Two, like how many actual print newspapers exist now all of these guys they simply follow the shams and the woges and some of their local guys who cover them you know more on tv than they do in print what's on social media is more important than what's written where what's written you are always trying to figure out who's the leaky source even if you want to tell me that LeBron's going to become a billionaire from his Nike deal and the growth, Jordan essentially built it from the ground up, right? Nike became synonymous with basketball because of Michael Jordan. Like people forget yesterday, part of the story was, a, you know, he wanted to sign with Adidas. People forget that back in the eighties, you know, between Adidas and Converse, they ran the basketball world, not Nike. Jordan was the first to make 23 prominent. Now, he wasn't the first superstar. Pete Maravich wore 23 at LSU. But Jordan wore 23 at North Carolina, wore 23 at the Bulls. Now, LeBron is seen as copying and wearing Michael Jordan's number. So, when you have a style that sets up others and is not as, give me the ball, I'll score, the way that Jordan's is as opposed to LeBron. When you don't, you're not in the dunk contest, so you're not, you're not creating kind of this mythical, can do anything acrobatically in the air. 
when you have social media and part of social media is there's backlash on everything. When you're politically active the way that LeBron does, it becomes divisive, even if you have the best intentions at heart. And when you're wearing somebody else's number and, and somebody else's brand, it's just really hard. And, and then you point out that even if none of it is any fault of his own, like people point out that he did not play well against the Dallas Mavericks, especially late in that series. What they never point out is Mike Bibby was awful. He was so bad through five games that in game six, the final game, he did not take off the sweats after starting games one through five. But LeBron takes the brunt of the blame for all of the losses in the NBA finals, whether it's his fault or not. And I would say it's more not his fault than it is his fault. But you, you stack up all the different things that he's never going to be able to do that Jordan was some because he put himself out there. It wasn't just that Jordan was in the dunk contest. He won the dunk contest. It wasn't just that he was in six finals that he won six finals. It wasn't just that he signed with Nike. It's that Nike shoes were cool and he lived up to anybody's expectations and exceeded them. All of those things, we're not going to be able to replicate that. Just like you're not going to be able to replicate your childhood for your son or for your daughter. No matter how much you want to move back into your old childhood bedroom, your old childhood neighborhood, things change. They evolve. Doesn't mean for the worse. But there's not going to be a replication of another Jordan. And then you factor in that this documentary, which did feel like it was rushed to print, was done so during a time, released during a time when there's nothing else on. So look, you can point out, and I'd say they're accurate, the flaws of the documentary series. But nobody cares because there's nothing else on and it's about Michael Jordan, which makes us feel good. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. N- Nick Wright's a friend of mine, okay, just, just for full disclosure, okay? Uh, but he's also 35 years old. So when he said this on First Things First earlier today, I, I, I had, to, had to chuckle a little bit. I grew up a New York Knicks fan. I love those Knicks teams. I love Patrick Ewing. But when you watch those highlights, he, the, here's an uncomfortable reminder. Those Knicks teams were not that good. It was Patrick Ewing and a bunch of guys. When your second best player is John Starks, you're not a great team. There's a growing divide between two types of people. The older generation that says today's players are too soft to play in the 80s and 90s and the players in the 80s and 90s weren't skilled enough for today's game, right? Like, let's, let's take a look at, at who LeBron faced in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, last four times. The Atlanta Hawks, Kyle Korver, Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague, Damari Carroll, that's their starting lineup. The, that is not murderer's row. Okay, 2016, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Bismarck Biombo, Damari Carroll, Louis, uh, Louis Scola. Anyone? 2017 Boston Celtics, their best player was Isaiah Thomas, 5'8". 2018, when he's with the Cavs in the Reach Eastern Conference Finals, uh, Kyrie Irving was out. It was Terry Rozier, Al Horford, Jalen Brown's 21 years old, Marcus Morris, and Jason Tatum was 20 years old. Like, what are we doing? Are, are those all-time great teams? 
those all-time great teams? Like, no. And oh yeah, by the way, you can tell me those that that Knicks team wasn't that good. I mean, first of all, dude, what are, what are we what are we doing? What what exactly are we discussing here in terms of the the quality of basketball team because of the numbers of Hall of Famers? Like, uh, okay, uh, okay, we can do that if you'd like. Like. Again, we, we we have to go back and, and look and be smart about it. The Celtics were had the exact same record. Right? The, the, the one that went to seven games, the Celtics had the same record. First of all, the Celtics had the same record, and Larry Bird was at the end of his prime, but he also had Reggie Lewis, who obviously died uh, shortly thereafter. They were, they were an incredible team, but Larry couldn't stay healthy at the end of his career. His back just gave out on him. In that particular year, 92-93, the Knicks won 60 games. Now, you can sit here and tell me, like, that team wasn't that good, but how was it built? It was built around Patrick Ewing. Charles Smith, by the way, was a very good player. John Starks was a very good player. Anthony Mason was an unbelievably tough player. Charles Oakley kind of end of his run. And then a bunch of, they were just, they were kind of like the same, same idea as the Pistons where they couldn't really beat you. So they just beat you up. They'd maul you. And oh yeah, by the way, if we really want to get down to it, the only real reason we look at the Bulls as having some all time great roster is because they won the championships. Right. I mean, look at the, look, look at the Bulls in those exact same years. And you're like, yeah, the Bulls weren't, like John Paxson at that point in his career was not some superstar player. That that's not accurate. That's not in, in, even close to an accurate depiction. Not close. You know, I mean, was B.J. Armstrong a superstar when they won the last championships? B.J. Armstrong, Horace Grant, even Scottie Pippen, as we reimagined him. If you tell me that Jordan and Pippen, like Pippen, was great, but he's great because he's playing alongside Michael Jordan wasn't a 25 a night guy it just wasn't he was great the same reason so many of those those knicks players are great because he could play both ends so i mean look god bless nick right i really do like him but you're sitting there talking about a team in 1991 and 1992 and bro in if if wikipedia is to is to be taken as legit in those years, he's born in 1985. You do the math. Were you analyzing games at seven years old? <laughs> right? Oh, I was a big Knicks fan growing up. Like, all right, my dad was a big Knicks fan. And I was born in 76. It was much more in my prime. And I would say, but I, I can't tell, quote you chapter and verse. They were coached by a great coach who found a way, a style of play that worked for their personnel. And they benefited from the fact that the Celtics were too banged up at the end. That's what happened. Like, I mean, look, 2013, 2014, the best player in the Pacers was Roy Hibbert. That's who they beat in the, in the Eastern conference finals and struggled with. He was guarded by Lance Stevenson, who famously blew in his ear. That wasn't prime Paul George. It wasn't Paul George. Now, was Paul George then at the very beginning of his career? Like we're remaking history over the number of Hall of Famers that uh, 
Hall, Hall of Famers that were in a game. Like that, that's not really the way things actually work. You know, I mean, look, if you would look back on that, on that year, the other part that, that is missing is like, we forget the, the Cavs were really good, really good, but they could never get past the Bulls ever. They had Brad Doherty, they had Larry Nance, Craig Elo, Hot Rod Williams, Mark Price is a great player. John Battle. They had six players averaging double figure and some guy named Mike Sanders and nobody could pick out of a line uh, who averaged nine a game. They were a loaded team. But the reason you've never heard of them was because Jordan would kick their ass every time. Every single time. All right, let's, look, we, we've broken into two camps. Those young guys... The play today, they're too soft, and the old guys weren't skilled enough. When the truth is that the players back in that generation would evolve with the different training, and many of the guys now are so good, they would adjust to the level of physicality. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Rick Buecher joins us from Bleacher Report. Uh, Rick, which side are you on guys today are too soft or the old guys weren't skilled enough because that, that seems to be the two camps now. (laughs) Uh, Oh, well, the game isn't what it was back then from a physical standpoint. I mean, I, when I first started covering the league, guys coming in the league had to spend a year in the weight room putting on 10, 15 pounds just to be able to survive. That was just the reality of it. So it is a different game. Today's players from an individual standpoint are far more skilled, uh, maybe far more, but just uh, across the board, greater individual skills, the shooting range, the ball handling, some of the things that we see now, those things go hand in hand though, right? I mean, you don't get to do all the tricks. You don't get to play from, you know, shoot from range um, if you're getting beat up the entire game. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I, I probably go to the point where the game is just. It is what I hate the most is it's become a fool the referees game. We, as a, as a former soccer player, you know that was the knock on soccer is that guys took dives and guys faked it trying to draw fouls and contact and cards and 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 soccer got rid of it and basketball seems to have introduced it yeah i, I would say you know that's that's uh the you know the euros have, have that's one of the things they brought to the game right i mean yep yep um that, i think there's a lot is, of sk- there's a lot of skill that they brought to the game but that is something they brought to it that and uh and and an additional uh an additional step uh yes. in 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 being able to to move without dribbling the ball Yes, the, the the travels were more blatant then. Now they're just awkward. Wait, was that a travel? Is that a euro step? Which was it? All right, your uh, your let's your general takeaways from last night's two episodes. I, I just the thing that I uh, that that still resonates with me is uh, is Kobe talking about that if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, there would be he he would not have five championships. Um, I think we both know that, that Kobe for a long time, you know, the way he handled the, the one-on-one answer is not, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a growth thing for where he was when he sat in front of the camera. Maybe it was an homage to, 
to, to Jordan in saying, you know, that, that it's not important to me. It was important to Kobe. Kobe would have loved to have played Jordan one-on-one, and he thought he would have beaten him. That, that's the honest answer when it comes to Kobe. But the, the absolute respect and humility that he showed uh, in, in attributing all of his success to Jordan, I have never heard Kobe speak to that level about anybody, whether it's Jerry West, whether it's Michael Jordan, what he said on camera to me will, uh, that, that was, whether it's the maturity of, of Kobe post-playing, whether it was, you know, being part of the doc, whatever it was, that, that's what struck me the hardest, and that's what will stay with me the longest. How do you think Jordan handled the gambling stuff? I think they addressed it as much as they had to. I, you know, obviously from a PR standpoint, he did a terrible job of, and I, for, I had forgotten. I'd forgotten about the sunglasses. <laughs> Such a bad look. If you thought that that Jordan was infallible when it came to PR, uh, that and his explanation for it really wasn't well thought out. But I will say this, and this is always this. I always find this a little amusing. Us in the media. Uh, and I was there during the 93 finals. If you look hard enough in the dock, you'll see me in the background when he was on the Suns, uh, on the Suns, uh, practice court when he wasn't talking and Charles was, or actually the first time that he spoke, uh, during those, during those finals. Uh, but the fact that he went to Atlantic City and then he came back, whether it was at one when he said or it was 2.30 when it was reported, whatever, whatever it was, to me, that is, and I'm not joking, that was the clearest indication for me that he doesn't have a problem. Because the, I, the, the, the gamblers that I know, the people that are addicted to gambling, never leave. They could not have gone and come back. They, if they did, it would have been they were rushing back to get back in time for the game, or they would have come back, whatever it was, they would not have come back at a, a reasonable hour. And trust me, going to Atlantic City and back to New York at 2.30, if you've got a game at 7.30 the next day, that is a very reasonable hour uh, based on what I know. I've, I've seen guys, I've seen players, I've seen people, I've seen NBA players who have been at the craps table like 24 hours straight, and they clearly could not walk away. So um, that, that to me, I, I never thought he had a, I really, I did not think he had a gambling problem, but I think they could have addressed it more deeply. They had Jordan... David Stern and a couple of reporters who were basically just reporting on what they had heard or, you know, for the most part, that was it. That's, those are the only people that talked about it. Uh, if you really wanted to address it, you would have gone a little deeper than that. Rick Buecher joining us from Bleacher Report and Fox Sports 1. Um, the, the dream team thing was interesting to me. Uh, we got a little bit more Isaiah Thomas. And yep. why won't and I understand that Bird had beef with him and Magic, who was supposedly his best friend, had beef with him. But yep. why won't Jordan own it? You don't think he did? I think he did some. I mean, all he had to say was, I didn't want him on the team and nobody else wanted him on the team, period. Well, right? I kind of felt, like I, I felt like he did that. I mean, he did He did. He just said, enough. hey, nobody, nobody ever brought him up to me. 
you know, but then there's the interview where he's walking in to do the interview and I don't want any Isaiah Thomas questions, right? Like he, you know, right. No, that's fair. That's fair. But I mean, at, at one point, like when he said, I respect the hell out of his game, that to me was okay, but I didn't want to play with him. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just, interpreting and knowing, you know, feeling like I knew what he was saying there. And I'm also looking at this now through the prism of this is obviously Jordan's production. So we're not going to get, you know, the unvarnished bare bones. It's not a documentary. We need to stop calling it a documentary because it's not, it's a production. And it's a, it's an interesting production. It's got a lot of behind the scenes production. Uh, but it's nonetheless, it's a production by Michael Jordan, and it's giving me a certain degree of insight into him, but it is without question, it's being shaded and it's being channeled. It is Jordan according to Jordan, not to some, not according to some independent uh, enterprise. Yeah. And that would be, and that would be a true, look, Ken Burns takes issue with it. I, that's enough said. Um he knows what a documentary is, so I, I don't. I don't fault Jordan for doing it. Um, I don't fault ESPN for doing it. I, I think it's just it's a it's a bit of false advertising if we're if we're calling if people are going to look at it as a tell all documentary. Yeah, there is some ESPN self-aggrandizing there, right? Like throwing in their anchors, like well, got it, right? There there are other people who have been covering. That, yeah. you know, and and I actually yeah, agree I with Peter. I actually agree with Peter Vesey. Like, how do you not talk to Peter Vesey? Like he was. What Woj yep. is now, he was then. Yep, yep. Pete was the original in, in, in so many ways. <laughs> um, yeah, no, 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 I agree. It, no, it's, 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 it's very streamlined. It was very, um, it was very hand-picked. But then everything, everything about this is, has been very hand-picked. And if you don't know, then I'm sure you hear people like me or, or you, Doug, talking about it in this fashion and are like, why? You know why? Why are you so upset? We don't have anything. This is showing me things I never heard of or knew. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? There's, there's, there's more. There's more. And and again, I think the big part for me is that Jordan, when this first came out, said people are going to watch this and think that I'm a terrible person. And that gave me the, for someone who knows everything about him and still respects him and thinks he's the best, best player going and understands that we all have flaws. Like I don't begrudge him any of the things that I know. Not a single thing. Uh, I still admire the hell out of what he accomplished. But when you tell me that, I'm thinking, oh, wow, okay, this is not going to be something that you are 100% good with. And I just feel like (laughs) Michael's 100% good with everything that's been in here so far. And that's not, look. That's not an accident. You look at this and think he's a terrible person. Like, there's, it just gave me a false impression of where we were going. No, when, when I heard him, um, when, when I saw that he was promoting it, I knew right then and there, yeah. regardless yeah. whatever he says, you know, like. Yeah. That's and then he was apologizing for something with Scott Burrell. I was like, yeah, no, this, this thing is not, this is going to be a well, one-sided deal, which I'm, again, I'm okay with, but I, you know, I, you it, know is, it is what it is. Well, here's the thing. Like, we haven't heard one word about Dennis Hobson. Or JoJo English. Like, there's, there's some guys that came through there. And again, 
you like it, it, uh, I'm trying to think who told Dennis, me Dennis Hopson for, and for people who don't know Dennis Hobson was a first round draft pick Dennis Hobson was yep. part of that Scotty Pippen trade and Jordan yep. thought he was uh, too soft to compete with uh-huh. at, at the highest level and Jordan got right. him the hell out of town right right and and there was some discussions about Scotty when that Scotty was too soft early on yep. but you know yep. they made Scotty out to be the second best player in the NBA which he never was she never was. Right. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, D- D- Dennis Hobbs is a perfect guy who could say like, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily how you remember it. Right. And I mean, even, even the Tony Kukoc thing, like if you really wanted to look at that, okay, so you resented the fact that uh, he was Krause's guy and uh, he was, you know, he was anointed and they were negotiating with him when they weren't taking care of Scotty. You can, you can give me all of that. But the fact of the matter is, Tony Kukoc was a teammate, and Tony Kukoc was a guy who could help you win. And you personally tried to take him down for your what? For your own personal pleasure or your own vendetta against Jerry Krause. If you really look at it in that vein, then it doesn't come off quite the same way. And so. And there are other, look, there are other guys, and I think it was Judd Bushler who said it to me in the piece that I wrote where he said, guys would go to their agents. Like, Jordan didn't have to ask management to trade a guy. He would make life so miserable, they would go to their agents and they'd go, get me out of here. So, you know what? I just, look, and again, Jordan was successful in doing it. I'm never going to be great. Kobe was, I, again, Kobe could be a pain in the butt, but he was successful successful ultimately doing the way he did it i'm not going to begrudge a guy that but just be clear this is how you got it done there are plenty of guys in the league I've, I, that i know and that i am friendly with professionally friendly as scott van pelt says but i know that they're great white sharks i know who i'm i know who i'm being friendly with right and so don't try to pretend that you're you're a a guppy when in fact of the matter, I know you're a great white shark. Uh, l- last thing, we going to have basketball this year, this season? Yes, we are. When? Yes, we are. Uh, as soon as, as soon as they have, as soon as the, why the, the testing, which I think in LA now is available to anybody who wants it. Correct. Mm-hmm. Am I correct on reading that? I, I believe so. Yes. Okay. As soon as they get to the point where they can say, "Look, if you want to get tested, you can get tested," then they will. Then they will do it. They, it's it is uh, Vegas so badly wants to see this happen. Uh, I believe that ESPN Disney wants to see it happen. They will bend over backwards as far as, far as providing the facilities and the outside personnel to make it happen. Um, but I would I would expect that no later than mid June we'll be playing we'll be playing basketball games. Mm-hmm. I I kind of tend I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I think it might be sooner rather than later. Just you know as things kind of open up at a rat pace, we'll have yep. to see. You know the the one issue is you know the edicts come down from New York and New York is seems to be in a different place than the rest of the country. And even New York is progressing towards opening things up. So, so we shall see Rick Buecher. You'll see him on all our Fox sports one shows. Of course, read his work in bleach report. Buke, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us. You got it, Doug. They're the best team in the NFL right now. And I'll tell you who they are next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific. 
the press. Dan Byer, what you got, my friend? There we go. All right, third time's the charm. Uh, Doug, uh, we've got some uh, sad news to start out with. Don Shula passed away earlier this morning, 90 years old. The NFL's all-time winning as head coach. Uh, won 347 games during his 33 seasons, 26 with the Dolphins, 7 with the Colts. But, yeah, Don Shula passing away earlier today. Yeah, it's sad news. Legendary coach. Um, and I thought Bill Belichick had an incredible uh, little note um, remembering him and how their parent, how his dad grew up there. And just another kind of Ohio legend. You know, Ohio is known at – well, actually, Miami of Ohio is uh, – uh, what is it called? The uh, – uh, the cradle of coaches, right? Miami of Ohio. But I mean, you know, here's a guy who grew up as a high school coach and became the, the greatest coach of, of all time. And I think it's really interesting. Was a was a player who be, became a coach. He served in the military, in the National Guard during the Korean War. I mean, did a little bit of everything. And of course, he authored the last undefeated season, only undefeated season in the modern history of the National Football League. Uh, the Dolphins today as a team revealed their plans to allow fans to attend games at Hard Rock Stadium for the 2020 season. In an interview on Good Morning America, President Tom Garfinkel said their plans include rules where fans would have to wear masks, would be allowed to order food from their seats, and then have fans exit the stadium row by row. And while they may not get 65,000 fans, maybe 15,000 fans could be in attendance. Mm. Um, well, that's that's like worst case scenario, right? Yes. Yeah. Trying to figure out something to at least uh, maybe get a little something done if you can't do the, the whole thing. But they, would, they, they likened it to when you exit row by row at a wedding, you know, the bride and groom, then everybody, then you go row by row on the way out. That's how you could also leave the stadium. So mm. I'm just I mean, look, you have, to, you have to play in worst case scenario. I'm, I'm telling you, I just, and maybe I'm forever the optimist. I think we'll be fine by the fall. I think we'll be fine by the fall. Bet Online says the Chiefs have the best odds to win 15 or 16 games in the upcoming season, listed at 20 to 1. The Ravens are listed at 25 to 1 to do the same. The 49ers at 50 to 1. Those were the teams with the three best odds it's for a perfect season or darn near close to it. Wait, wait, what are the odds? So the Chiefs are listed at 20 to 1. Yeah. To to run the table or go fifteen and one. Ravens are twenty five to one. 49ers at fifty to one. They're not going undefeated. I don't see. That's according I mean, to Bet yeah. Online. But mm-hmm. it also shows you the 49ers in their division. Maybe it'll be a little bit more difficult. But I still think that the AFC West is going to be tougher than people believe. Oh, I think AFC. I think the Raiders are better. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think the Chargers will be better. Yep. Very talented. And Denver should be. better. And I think Denver should be better. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I, I don't think there's any. It's not like the the Chargers two years ago where there's a full frontal assault on their greatness, but I think six games and they'll all be difficult. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer finalized his purchase of the Forum in L.A. for $400 million. Ballmer plans to build a new arena for the Clippers near the Forum, which is also going to be across the street from SoFi Stadium. Forum still be used as a music venue. Yeah, the definition of FU money is when you buy an arena <laughs> just so you can build a better arena down the street. In speaking with a news outlet in New Zealand, Nets GM Sean Marks wouldn't rule out a return for Kevin Durant this season. Marks says they aren't sure how anybody will react coming out of the pandemic, but also added that Durant looked like the Kevin Durant of old as he comes back from a ruptured Achilles prior to the pandemic hitting. I, t- I told you guys, like this is part of the thing that we haven't dis- discussed is, does Kevin Durant play when he comes back? Because he was, 
He was probably ready to play, and I'm guessing he's been rehabbing the entire time. And then you get a month of ramp up. Like, that's just like a training camp. I think he would have played anyway. I, I, I think Kevin Durant plays. And finally, because I haven't said it to, to you or John Ramos, guys, may the 4th be with you today on this May 4th. May the 4th be with you, too. And that's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Give your free credit scorecard today. Even if you're not a Discover customer, it includes your FICO credit score. And checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit either. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Um, Ramos, are you watching Star Wars tonight? Any of your Star Wars episodes? I watched Rise of Skywalker last night, and I'll watch Clone Wars tonight, yes. You will not watch uh, Return of the Jedi or, or Empire? Empire's the best, right? It is, but I yeah, I've, I want to watch a, finish the Clone Wars first. Okay, okay. See if Lisa gets dressed up in the, uh, in the Princess Leia outfit for, for Bayer. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.